The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. current affairs and LGBT news-oriented panel discussion series that's dedicated to you. Here are your hosts, Dominion Onyx, Carl Anthony, John Sebastian, and Legionnaire. Good evening, everyone. Hey. We're back. <laughs> Today is Thursday, March 3rd, 2016. And welcome back to reality now with extra gay shit. Oh shit, man. Oh, suck it, suck it. I got the suck it. And the suck it, suck it. <laughs> I say hello to uh, my co hosts, uh, John Sebastian and Legionnaire. Bonjour. Ooh, hey, peoples. What's oh. going on? So you may notice a couple of voices are missing. Our Brista. Uh, Carl Anthony, you know, this girl can't stay, uh, can't stay put for too long. She, mm-hmm. she, she was on the West Coast, then she moved to the East Coast, she got booed up, then broke up, and now she done moved back to Las Vegas, where she all started, and took Wrath and the little boy, uh, her, his little gay son with him. Lord so Jesus. He's Lord. driving across country right now for reasons that I can only begin to speculate why one would drive from Baltimore to Las Vegas. But, you know, whatever. Trip club. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, uh, I have you also I will really notice that uh, Rogan Hardy's voice is missing. Rogan has decided to pursue... Uh, other things, and um, he will be replaced this season by Dick Sargent. Oh, <laughs> well, hello, Dick Sargent. <laughs> or was that Dick York? Uh, actually, oh. York. Yeah, it was Sargent first, then York. Okay, so he's his the part the part of Rogan Hardy is now being played by Dick York. Or <laughs> well, Dick Sargent replaced Dick York. Look, somebody Dick is replacing. Y'all know some some Dick got replaced, and right. you know in Rogan's case, we're sure that that's what's happening. Well, yeah. I was thinking more Sarah Chalky, but you know, never mind. Oh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sarah Chalky, the new yes. Becky. 
Not to be confused with the new new Becky, who was the old Becky. <laughs> right. <laughs> new Coke, old Coke, what the hell? So let me Not just say... Replaced it replaced by whoever is the slightly younger uh, person who's now playing Rich Forrester on The Bold and the Beautiful. I turned <laughs> that show up one day, and I was like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what's British now? Because they still got Catherine... Catherine, uh, Catherine Kelly Lang's ass up there, 75 years old, trying to play a 30-year-old whore uh, <laughs> who is who looks who's supposed to be like 35, maybe 45 at the most, but who got children that's in their 30s. Right. Well, you know this is soap that soap opera land. Soap opera land. And you listen, know Listen, in the real world, Rick Forrester ain't but like 17 years old, but he right. already like 35 and got kids of his own. And his kids about to be grown. I'm just like, girl, it's all too trifling and confused for me. You know, but you know, that's that Swiss boarding school weekend. Oh, yes. That's what happened to Nick. Yes. (laughs) Nick went away to boarding school and he was he was like eight and he was like, Daddy, I don't want to go. And Nick was like, but son, you will go. And that was the end of the story because if if Victor says so, it's going to happen. And then Nick was gone for like six months and came back and who was this young uh studly dude oh i'm nick i was like wait a minute how you get like 12 years older but your sister stayed the same Mm. swiss boarding school well you know yes (laughs) well i'm surprised they didn't make aaron spears rick forrester because you know all kinds of shenanigans and foolishness is going on on television i know right Mm. aaron spears is john sebastian and i's classmate he's famous him famouses, yes. Oh, that's right. He can't yes. do it because he on um, being Mary Jane and whatnot. But a uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll never see it then. Me neither, child. I just happen to know about it. It's Ooh. on BET, so there's that. Well, I just got to. I just. I do want to say I really missed you all for the months that I was gone, and it's good to be back. Girl, it was more than a month. Let's just be cute. I said months. Uh, months. Oh, okay. It was like for the month I was gone, but you was gone for like a half a year. (laughs) Do not encourage that foolishness and fuckery. I'm sorry, I can't help it. He was gone gone from us. He was gone from us. Gone. Yes, but I was off doing noble work, and well, now that noble work is over, so um, I won't be with the lepers in Calcutta anymore. They'll die without you. You're gonna be with the. You're gonna be with the lower middle class white people. Mm. Yeah, kind of, sort of. Already am. Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, hallelujah. Um, well, Legionnaire, what have you been up to in this break? Oh, I've just been continuing to uh, do other shows and things for Poppy Chulo Radio, which I have thoroughly enjoyed, as I always do. Um, continuing my journey into uh, leatherdom and fatherhood and, and husbandhood and had myself a, uh, a good time back in, uh, in D.C. in January. And yeah, so it's been um, it's been it's been good. But I am so glad to be back with my peeps. Yes, yes. it was fun. It has it was fun seeing you in mal at mal now of course you missed all of the the most fun parts of what happened in the suite really yes <laughs> <laughs> and since so we got a lot to cover today so guess what's going to happen today boys and girls 
What? what? Y'all remember our good friend Marshall Evans? Yes. Mm-hmm. He's going to be back uh, to talk about his new play, The Last Hour, which premieres March 11th off Broadway in New York City. I'm telling you, I went to uh, a reading with, and they were doing a little rehearsal. Honey, I'm sitting there on the, you know, I've been to a couple of readings before and I've read a few people, but that's not the other thing. Wrong definition, wrong definition. Move on. All right. But at this particular reading, honey, I was sitting there and these kids and these kids weren't acting yet. They were really just reading the lines because they were blocking and doing everything. And honey, I got a little uh ting- I got a little tingle in my intimacies. Ooh. Oh Lord. Hmm. Now the whole play is not like that. It's not some sort of a sex play. I just oh, happened man. to come in on the part where, you know, they were they were doing stuff, and so you know, I got a little, little excited. So we're gonna talk to him. We're gonna talk to him in a little bit, uh, but we're also going to talk about uh, Super Tuesday, Melissa Harris Perry. We're gonna talk about prep. We're gonna talk about Vanessa Williams. We're gonna talk about the Oscars, and we're gonna talk about your line sister, Cat uh, Catherine Williams. Oh. <laughs> Mother cat, mother kitty. Oh, can't. Uh, yes, the kitty mother cat. Kitty. The kitty cat, honey. Oh, speaking of speaking of kitty cat, did y'all read that article I posted about Funky Dineva? Yes. No. I Was that, that some shady shit? Oh well. well let me is- let me give you give you the cue. Now this is not allegedly. I'm I'm only repeating what uh, was posted elsewhere by the woman. From whom Funky Dineva rented um, a, hot- a hotel, rented oh, a townhouse, and fuck this the other blogger's name who AT Alien or some shit. Mm-hmm. Fuck this woman's townhouse up. There was feces all on the floor, urine on the carpet, holes in the wall, all kinds of foolishness and fuckery. Oh my god, that's trifling. Well, mm. you know, the word on the curb is. Mm-hmm. Now you, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly, the word on the curb is, you know, drugs are bad. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. Drugs are bad. I mean, well, we can all agree on that. Well, no, because I'm going to tell you right now, a good Valium will take you a long way. Well, hallelujah. I'm just, you know, sometimes mm. you need a Valium to deal with the people. But yes, um, <laughs> this... Praise, praise the Lord and pass the pill. How about that? But yes, Mother Dineva, it seems, has uh, gone off of the deep end. Mm. And not wow. in a good way. And not in the way that you homos usually like. Right, not that deep, honey. But wow. yes, she is. Mother had, Mother is, uh, uh, like I said, not. God damn it. Um, mother is just, she has lost her damn mind. Mm. Wow. But somebody, John Sebastian, why don't you just jump right into it with our recap of Super Tuesday? I would be more than happy to. Well, um, earlier this week here in the yet to be United States, um, 13 states and one U.S. territory made their presidential picks on Super Tuesday 2016. 
So, and I'm going to do them in alphabetical order. Alabama, Alaska, Arkansas, Colorado, Georgia, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Vermont, Virginia, all did their elections as well as American Samoa. Pause, because those are some beautiful men. I will continue. Mm. Secretary of State Clinton um, won seven states. Um, Trump and, and, and American Samoa and Donald Trump won seven states. Um, Ted Cruz won Texas, Oklahoma, and Alaska. And Marco Rubio won Minnesota. Um, so what is go- so for in a big picture moment, uh, Secretary Clinton at, the, at this point is at, she is at a point where she has 605 total delegates, while Senator Sand- Senator Sanders has 347 delegates with mm-hmm. another 80 up for grabs. So so on the Republican side, um, Donald Trump has 237 delegates, while uh, t- uh, Eduardo Cruz has I'm sorry, Eduardo Rafael, Rafael. Eduardo Cruz Rafael Eduardo mm. Cruz has 209 Marco Rubio has 94 delegates John Kasich has 19 delegates and Dr. Stabby I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Ben Carson who as of yesterday uh, is suspending his campaign and this evening there will be a Republican debate that he decided he is not going to attend because he doesn't see any future path in the race, <clears throat> excuse me, has three um, delegates. So big picture from a big picture standpoint, uh, Secretary Clinton, like I said, has almost double the delegates that Senator Sanders has. Um, and Donald Trump has quite a few, you know, he, he has not quite run away with it from, from, uh, Rafael, is it Rafael Eduardo Cruz, but um, he's he's doing a good job. Um, there are people who are saying that, based on the way it's going, Trump is all but locked up the nomination. I don't think that's the case because, again, Ted Cruz won Texas, which had he not won, uh, his his campaign would have been over. Likewise, two weeks from now, uh, Marco Rubio has to win Florida in order to remain in to remain viable in the race. Um, mm-hmm. I predict John Kasich is going to be dropping out in the next couple weeks um, because he seems to have the most sense on the Republican side, but nobody is going to vote for him. Right. So, right. Uh, co-host, what do you think about this? Oh, I just don't know what to say. It's, it's, I don't know. The whole thing is just, it's just... This whole the whole Donald Trump phenomenon just just flabbergasts me. I, I don't I don't understand it. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I, I I try my best to understand it, but it's just it's beyond my ability to understand. You that's, looked that's, into it, and you, you know, can't. and I, and I can't. I've, I can't. I've, I've, read, I've done the research, and I've discovered that I I can't. Can't. I just Monica, can't. Monica. I can't. I can't. Can't. Okay, so the whole Donald Trump thing. Uh, Santa and I were having. We were having this conversation at dinner last night, and um, he's like, "I just don't under." And he's he is he is completely baffled by this, you know. And he has voted in. He has been voting since nineteen and seventy one. 
1972, I'm sorry. And he said this is the first time in all of the years that he has voted that he just, he actually said this is a shit show and I don't understand it. Mm. And for Santa to say something, first of all, for Santa to say something like it's a shit show is hilarious in itself. (laughs) (laughs) Am I lying? Am I lying to me? Not at all. I'm like, wow. Um. You know, so he's like, this is a shit show. And I'm like, okay, honey. And, um, you know, he's like, I just don't understand. Why is he so popular? You know, and, he's like, and, and then he said, how do these economically depressed people not understand that he's not going to do a motherfucking thing for them? And I'm like, okay, A, I'm revoking your black card because you're trying too hard. But <laughs> B, you have a point. So, yes. um, <laughs> yeah, he, I, I, he has got, since, since he is like, Closer to retirement, his true blackness is starting to come out, which is mm. hala- which is hilarious. I love cons- it. <laughs> consider he is he is as pale as the wall, but um, but he mind he mind. So yeah, so Dominion, what do you think about this? Uh, <sighs> I um am horrified, but not surprised. I mean, you can't spend the last 20 years you know since the first time um uh bill clinton ran and and well before that but you know let's just focus on that time since 1991 when bill clinton first ran uh for president because he became president in 92 right yeah he won in 92 yeah 92 so that means he started his campaign in like 1991 Right. So since then, where you've been playing this, um, playing to people's fears that, you know, the that liberals, you know, hate you because you're not smart, you know, uh, then once we, you know, everything was cool for eight years because then we had a moron as a president. <laughs> Ooh, gee. But, you know, it it really, really, really took off when they elected a black man as president because then it played into because he wasn't he wasn't the black man that you could talk to the way that you talked to Raheem on the corner even though his name was Barack because mm-hmm. Barack was a college educated not just he wasn't just college educated he was Harvard educated With at least in their eyes who had who because of even though he claimed his blackness with no fear or you know little hesitation um grew up around white people so he wasn't at all in a position or interested in you know supporting your notions of what a black man should be and how one should interact because they were used to jesse jackson and um, Al Sharpton. So they weren't ready for a Negro who could come out and still incite that same passion, but say shit that, you know, because they can't, they can't deal. Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson might as well be speaking in tongues because that's just not how a lot of white people react, that whole churchy sort of thing. And Obama mm. was able to pull people without that. So they right. spent these eight years making him the absolute devil, the absolute devil and demonizing anything that was the other. And now the Republican establishment 
is like, I can't believe that people actually follow him. Well, he is just the logical extension of everything. He is the manifestation of everything that you've been saying for the past eight years. You can't always talk about um, how um, all of the problems in this country are the fault of the immigrants and that we ought to go over to ISIS not even clear that ISIS is not a country, but go over to ISIS and bomb the shit out of them and their families and not have someone that ultimately, you know, brings that to the to the forefront. So I'm not at all surprised. I think if um, my concern here is that I don't feel like the Democratic Party is capitalizing on this in the way that they should. Now, I believe that both Democratic candidates are right to not focus on it right now. And, you know, they need to uh, focus their effort on the party base. But the Democratic Party, I am not clear on why Debbie Wasserman Schultz, one, is still the chairman, because I can't see a damn thing that she's done. Mm-hmm. But I am not clear on why. So there are three at this point. There's only three people who could get the nomination unless some sleeper comes in. It's either going to be um, Ted Cruz, which is dreadful. Right. uh, Marco Rubio, who is cute by cute. But that's like saying, um, you're the cutest of all of the ugly people. So he's not cute, cute. He's just more attractive than anyone else on that side of the aisle. So, mm. And that clearly is his only appeal because he just won a primary and that's his first. And maybe Florida and that's it. And then Donald Trump, who is truly terrifying. But all of them have positions that regardless of who the Democratic nominee is, the I mean, the Democratic Party nationally can be putting forward ads talking about this foolishness that's going on. So I'm just like, well, what are what are you all doing? Because if you don't, there's already people talking bullshit about, oh, you know, if Bernie Sanders doesn't win, I'm not going to vote. And every time someone says that, you know, normally I don't get involved, but anyone who is black or Latino or gay or a woman who says some foolishness like that, I just want to reach through the screen and shake the shit out of them because right. they might as well be dead. <laughs> but they're not one of us. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But, um, I, but also, I, this, so if, if we really want to talk about how long this has been going, this started... Um, this round of how the game is being played started in 1987 and in the 1987-88 election between uh, Dukakis and Bush and Lee Atwater, who was a notorious Republican strategist, um, did the whole Willie Horton ad, um, which is what yes. sunk Michael Dukakis. Um, so this, you know, and, and, and even if we were to go back 
further. This, you know, has its roots in the Southern strategy of the late 60s, early 70s. And if we were to go back further, it has its roots in the Dixiecrats from the presidential election of 1948, when Strom Thurmond decided that as, because, you know, he was a Democrat and he just didn't like what was going on. So he wanted to be a Dixiecrat. Um, so this has been going on for a couple generations now. Um, I think that we are finally seeing the manifestation. It, it's almost, for me, I'm looking at, as, as a student of history, I'm, I'm looking at this as to what happened about 100 years ago in Germany with the rise of Nazism. And it was the same, the same thing happening. Demonize, demonize the minority, make them the cause of all of the problems, get a charismatic leader who can say all the things that you want to say but are afraid to say, you know, get him to start controlling the press and, mm. you know, get him in charge of government and then step by step start denying those basic rights to the people that you dislike. This is this is the rise of Nazi Germany all over again. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you have at a at a political rally in the United States in 2016, a young black woman is assaulted. It's on the news and it's perfectly acceptable. Right. <laughs> yeah. It is and 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 in that assault, if you look at the picture, and it was on it was on Facebook, one of the young men who was assaulting the young woman is using a picture of said assault as his banner photo. Right. And it has and well, it has shades. Like, right. He's not even like, oh, I'm so sorry. There's some shit that got way out of hand. My apologies. He was like, hell yeah, I shook the shit out that bitch and I'll do it again do if it I again. Right. <clears throat> and 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 if you look at that picture and the optics of it, it is shades of Little Rock, Arkansas, 1955, and the desegregation of Central High School. Mm. Yes, I saw that meme. It is this, I, and, and it's like, my God, has history taught this country nothing? Mm. Nothing. Ooh, so um, we still got another uh, seven months of this foolishness to go, and um, and we'll see. I, one of the questions I have, though, is: Do you really think that Donald Trump is going to see this to the end? Yes, at this point. Yeah, I don't. I don't think his ego would allow anything else. And I I'm thought. Like, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No. No. Well, you, please I'm, go ahead. Because of who he is and how he gets bored with things so easily, I was bad. I'm. I was like, I'm wondering if he's going to do a Palin and sometime around August after he realizes that he can't just go in and say you're fired, mm. that he drops out of the race. I would have said that last year, but he's gone too far. He's committed too much to it. I mean, one thing that Donald Trump cannot stand, if you if you saw either at the time or on um, on Facebook or Salon.com or anywhere else, John Oliver's brilliant takedown of Donald yeah. Trump. Donald Trump cannot stand ridicule. For those of you who haven't seen it, 
it's incredible. And go to salon.com or go to HBO and look for last week tonight and Donald, uh, John Oliver and Donald Trump. And John Oliver relays a story that the uh, editor of some magazine that I can't recall the name of uh, relays where this editor once referred to um, Donald Trump as a tiny fingered thug or something. And this was like 25 years ago. And the editor says that to this day, he occasionally receives envelopes from Donald Trump with pictures of him with his fingers circled and say, see, not so small after all. Donald Trump cannot stand ridicule. And he's he's very smart. And he knows that he dropped out of this race and pulled the pail in right now. His brand is gone completely because no one would believe him again all of those people that believe in him now this month if he dropped out they'd be like what mm. Mm, mm, mm. that's what i think okay i guess you would disagree you think he'll just he, you think he'll just cut bait and be like you know what this isn't fun anymore i'm firing myself um i don't know I just, I just think that it is, um, I, it's just not making sense, um, because, you know, he's gonna find out that, you know, the salary for the president is what four hundred thousand dollars a year. I thought it was more than that. I thought the president makes almost Ooh. a million. No, mm-hmm. no. It was two hundred thousand dollars a year up until right. a couple of years ago. So it is. It's at four. Right. So four hundred thousand okay. dollars a year, and he is not as autonomous as he thinks he is going to be. Right. That's where I think the disconnect's going to come in. You know, I, he might be, and he's not that smart. Let's be. Uh, you know, he's a brilliant marketer. He's a brilliant showman. He is the P.T. Barnum of our time. But as an intelligence. If that's intelligence, then shit, I'm a fucking genius. I'm fucking Einstein. You know, so no, I I just, I I don't see, I really think that he's going to, you know, once he realizes he can't do what he thinks he can do or what he wants to do, he's going to get bored and, you know, something's going to come up. um, It's going to be, I don't want to, you know, put my business on hold and I don't want my children to be tied down with it. It's going to be something. Mm-hmm. Because he does not take responsibility or accountability for anything he does. Mm-hmm. That's true. I just, I, I, I kind of hope that's what happens, but I just don't see it. Because okay, so maybe he's not the most brilliant person in the world, but he's smart enough to understand what his brand is. And I just know that even if this was just a stunt, it's like he's too far into the stunt to back out now I mean maybe he starts like phoning it in to the point where he's like throwing the election I mean I could definitely see that that at a, that at a certain point of time you know something will click where he just won't want to do this anymore and you know something more interesting may come along but but I also tend to agree that he's come too far to let it go now I think in the beginning, it was just this lark, you know, and as it went on, it began to be amusing and fun and, and just, you know, this this platform to, for him to be outrageous and crazy. But but I think now it's just gone to a point where I, 
I think it, it's going to be harder and harder for him to turn back. But yeah. uh, but at, but you know the other side of it is that he can't he can't possibly think that this is going to be good for him if it goes all the way. He's not he's not prepared for what happens if this goes all the way, and that's what's scary. He doesn't understand that this is not something he can do. He can't do this. He's not, he is not, he is in no way, shape, or form qualified to do this. And that's what makes it scary from, from, from a citizen standpoint, that there are people out there in, in this country that believes that this is someone who could run this country. Donald Trump cannot run this country. It's exactly as John, as John Sebastian said, he's P.T. Barnum. It's yeah. all smoke and mirrors because he's saying these outrageous things that people don't want to, that people are scared to say and don't want to say. He's the man that can say it. But right. what's really, what is really behind those words? Nothing. Nothing. He has yet to present anything that he is prepared to do to run this country and make it better. To date, he has said nothing. Nothing. And that's what's frightening. He's not saying anything about what he's going to do. He's insulting people. You know, he's saying outrageous things that people are afraid to say. I mean, that's and that's all it is. There's no substance behind it. But people are eating it up. And um, and that's terrifying for me. That's why I say I just don't understand. Because that's terrifying to me. You know, yes, I don't like... You know, I'm I'm as much against career politicians as the next person, you know, because you don't know what to believe and, and, and all that. I get all that. But this can't be the alternative. It can't. It cannot be the alternative. Come on, America, wake up, please. But, you know, again, it goes to he's saying the things that people wishes they could say. Yeah. And 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 and. He's saying them, and the press is report. I, I honestly believe that if the press stopped reporting them, he would go away. Mm, I, you know, and I and I could see that. I can easily believe that. You know, but they are literally giving him free. He gets more free press than any candidate I have ever seen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Free. I mean, he gets more free press time than anybody I've ever seen. It's ridiculous. But, you know, again, I'm I'm not that smart, obviously. I, I'm doing something wrong. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, um, it's just... I'm afraid of the road that this country is going down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, kids, speaking of uh, politics and the press, uh, Legionnaire... Get into uh, this story of Melissa Harris Perry. Yes, we have a um, an article on VerySmartBrothers.com by a gentleman named Damon Young, who uh, wants to explain why you need to care about what's happening to Melissa's, Melissa Harris Perry. Um, and so I will read from that article, I'll, um, pieces of it anyway, so that we can talk about it. Uh, the cover photo from my Facebook profile is a screenshot of my appearance on Melissa Harris Perry last August. I don't get anxious much when meeting new people, at least not anymore, but I was anxious then. Partially because it was my first time on national television and I hoped my dad and aunts in Cincinnati would approve of my suit, 
posture and hand placement, but mainly because Melissa Harris Perry's status as an intellectual powerhouse. Basically, I didn't want to get up there and look stupid. And also, although I was very familiar with her work and her writing and her show, I had no idea how she'd be in person. I didn't know if I'd be meeting Miranda Priestley. Fortunately, I didn't embarrass it myself. My segment, a discussion about Meat Mill and Drake that segued to a conversation about hip-hop and misogyny, was lively, quick, fun, and funny. That it worked so well was largely due to us being ourselves. Well, as much as you, as much yourself as you can be with the millions of people watching. And us being comfortable enough to argue and debate and joke was largely due to Melissa Harris Perry's direction and personality. As soon as we stepped on set, she was immediately welcoming and disarming, telling jokes and riffing on our replies like we were at a happy hour or a game night and not at MSNBC studio. And that's how it continued to feel, like I was having a conversation with one of my wittiest and quickest homegirls. Today, it was revealed that Melissa Harris Perry is removing herself from the air, a result of MSNBC jerking her schedule and her show around and providing her no reason for these decisions. And to quote, uh, I'm going to take a little bit from what she said. Uh, The purpose of this decision, that of uh, removing the show, seems to be to provide cover for MSNBC, not not to provide voice for MHP show. I will not be used as a tool for their purposes. I am not a token, mammy, or a little brown bobblehead. I am not owned by Lack, Griffin, or MSNBC. I love our show. I want it back. I have wept more tears than I can count, and I find this deeply painful. But I don't want back on the air at any cost. I am only willing to return when that return happens under certain terms. Unquote. Of course, I do not know everything that has happened and is happening here. I'm sure more information will find its way public very soon. But even when that happens, I will not know everything. But what I do know, however, is that if you're a person who claims to care about having a media that's smart, shrewd, diverse, determined, accessible, relatable, and dependable, a media with the intellectual acuity to deconstruct the news and the integrity necessary for it to be trusted, you need to care about what's happening to her and her show. And also, I'm specifically speaking to the black people reading this. You need to care because she is one of us. She is one of our best and brightest. A homegirl who just happens to be a PhD. A sister who just happens to be a star. An academic who just happens to be a staunch advocate for us. A black woman from Virginia who just happens to be TV's most popular nerd. This is more than just not cool. It should be acknowledged and regarded for what it is. An insult to her and her work. Which, by proxy, is an insult to us. Yes. So speaks Damon. Mm. Uh, Legionnaire, did you have any particular thoughts? You know, as I followed the story and what was happening, um, you know, my first thought was that I have to admit, my first thought was that it was being a little bit overblown that, you know, uh, shows being preempted for different things. It's not uncommon. It happens all the time. Um, you know, but I do understand her 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 pride in her show and her product and what she's putting out there. And, you know, and I know that 
you know, my view comes from a lack of understanding of what happens behind the scenes, because I don't know what happens behind the scenes on these things and how it happens and why. Um, you know, I just can't help but think that picking up her marbles and walking away, I just can't. I don't know that I can embrace that as the answer. Um, I get that it's that that she finds it insulting and difficult and challenging and unfair and all those different things. But I would be more impressed if she stood her ground and fought and cussed and yelled and screamed at them that, look, I need to know why you all are doing this. I need to have some answers. I need you to treat my show better. But but again, you know, that's just me looking from the outside. You know, I, I don't I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't know the whole entire story. But, you know, I would just hate to see someone, you know, with with her intellect not be on TV doing what she does. Well, her Twitter feed tells a story mm -hmm. starting on March 1st. So what we so you know you say you don't know what was going on behind the scenes. Well, <clears throat> there were negotiations going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And on March the first, she wrote the following: As for me, I am just waiting to be free. Tick tock, tick tock. Is it five o'clock yet? The next tweet is a gif of what that little light boy named Drake and somebody, and it's they popping champagne, and it's five o'clock. She's pushing back from pointless negotiations. Hmm. And then she starts to read a few apologies at Martin Brashear, at Torre, at Finney, Finney K. I am sorry for and ashamed of my earlier science. I gave in to culture. I gave in. I gave in to, to culture of fear at NBC. Next tweet, a few minutes later. Note to at Yvette Miley and Phil. If I CC you on email Tuesday and it's leaked to press on Friday, maybe I'm not the unpredictable one. Hashtag get your get your leaks, Phil. Next next tweet. One of the unintended consequences of salary inequity. Harder for us to harder to get us to take one of those non-disclosure payoffs, huh? Hashtag freedom, freedom over money. Next tweet. To be sure, hosting at MHP show was one of the greatest joys of my professional life. A weekly privilege for four years. Hashtag nerdland forever. Uh, next tweet. Failures on MHP show were mine and nearly everything good belonged to brilliant team of producers, researchers, and interns. Hashtag nerdland forever. This is the this is probably the best one. Hmm. Um. Let me get to it. Oh, <laughs> hashtag MSNBC says they would put their diversity, quote, up against anyone else in the news business, end quote. It's a low bar. <laughs> Next tweet is the best scene ever from Waiting to Exhale with Miss Bernie blowing up a BMW. <sighs> so hashtag MSNBC, y'all keep making cable great again. I'll be staying challenging and unpredictable. <laughs> Nerdland forever. <laughs> So it and oh and Alex Wagner's show, another mm -hmm. sister of color, canceled. At first, I too thought I thought Melissa Harris Perry was having um, an ego trip. And as you know, things started coming out, and you know, because the question I asked was, okay, yes, there are a couple questions I had. One of which was Luke. Um, 
so much energy tonight. Thank you. I Russert. love you. Luke Russert literally walked onto the network four years ago. With I mean, literally walked on and got a permanent job based because based on the fact that his last name was Russert. Russert, right. You know, um, he doesn't have a show, but how much shuffling around and, and you know, how, how much, how many dues did he have to pay? And I think that, you know, while I love MSNBC and the fact that they have, that they, they were a, quote, uh, liberal, as liberal as news can be, um, station, because they embrace progressives like MHP and Rachel Maddow, uh, Rachel still got a show. She ain't been moved. And so, it's you know, yes, preemptions happen, but I'm I'm feeling Melissa on this one. I'm going to have to stand with my sister on this one. Mm-hmm. I got her back on this one. And because of that, I've decided that I'm not going to be watching MSNBC as much as I used to. Um, I will watch... I'll find something else to watch. Hell, I, I'll, you know, NPR is starting to sound real good to me about now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was in the same boat as you because in the beginning, you know, the sources that I had read made it seem like her show had been preempted like twice, maybe three times. And I was like, if we're in the middle of political season. You know, of course your show is, you know, potentially going to be preempted. But as I read more about it, I was like, well, you know, maybe this is foolishness and mm-hmm. um, fuckery. But I will say that, you know, I couldn't get into her show but so much because it was like two hours. I mean, like this, they kept repeating the same story. So it was like, I just felt like it was too much sometimes. And the story, I, I just, it just felt long and it felt like going to a cocktail party where um, we were talking about exciting subjects, but then some people get so deep into the minutia of it that I'm like, I don't really care that much. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's not that I don't necessarily care about the issue, but I mean, we can't talk about this ad nauseum. And it also was so politically correct and you know we couldn't you couldn't say certain things i mean they they had this white guy on and he was talking about slavery or something and melissa harris perry was like well you're not black you can't talk about this it's like you invited him on the show to talk about this fucking topic <laughs> i mean you know it's not like he called everybody on the platform you know niggas and you know said that slavery was good I mean, he just advocated for an opinion and it was just too much for me. And it came from a place of liberal intelligentsia that I find just as distasteful as far-right politics. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion about that. But, I mean, I do think that I've read some commentary about, you know, the fact now that, you know, we won't, I mean, there's, it's, we, 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 certainly aren't going to have a black president at least for the next four years there's no need for the quote unquote black perspective right. so they're letting mm-hmm. go of their black host which I mean you know you can I suppose you can make a case for that but you know it's it's I don't know 
it's not like they all got fired all of a sudden. You know, I, I, I felt like they were all talking about the same shit. So I don't even really know what the purpose of all those different shows were because, um, well, maybe Al Sharpton, you know, but most of the shows on MSNBC are really, especially the daytime shows, are talking the same shit. The only shows that I saw that were any different were uh, Rachel Maddow's show. And even her show is it's the same thing. That's the same problem that I have with Melissa Harris Perry. I was like, girl, are we still talking about this? <laughs> I mean, how you gonna have like a 15 minute long segment on the something, you know, a topic like voter fraud? I'm like, okay, I get that that's important, but a 15 minute segment that goes into such minutia till even I who consider myself an educated person is like, girl, I don't I'm I'm over it. I, well, I think part of that was to to actually provide education. It's it's almost a way to to I would say balance out, block out, uh, neutralize what the far right was saying. And I and yes. I know you know mm-hmm. and I so and yes, it was in the minutia, but hell, the minutia is kind of where people sometimes they need to hear that. Not every night, maybe, but sometimes they. They do need to know what goes into, you know, or what the history behind something is, other than just a talking point. Yeah. Right. Ooh, my cylinders are fire. Are they firing tonight? <laughs> I know, right? I love so, it. You know, we've, you know, the last topic. You know, there's been some interesting things going on. So the last thing to talk about is a couple of weeks ago there was. Um, a story that came out about how this guy who claimed to be taking his daily regimen of Truvada faithfully turned up HIV positive. And immediately, uh, this particular article is on Slate.com entitled Prep is Not Magic and Treating It That Way Undermines Its Weight. Uh, that way undermines its incredible power. And again, this is like, you know, people shouldn't just be fucking and all of that. And now I'm not even going to go into that. Let's talk about the guy that actually got uh, the HIV. So he, the patient was a 43-year-old man who had been on PrEP for about two years, testing negative for HIV seven times as part of the regular checkup required by the regimen when he seroconverted. Importantly, pharmacy records and further medical investigations claimed that he had been taking the medication of, uh, as, as prescribed. So doing some research into that, I found out that what they can do is go back and look at the amount of drug in your blood and determine, you know, the um, amount of adherence to the daily pill regimen and found out that he um, that he had uh, been taking the pill pill daily. Of course, I mean, any of us may skip a day or two, but when I say daily, he's probably taking it six out of seven days or maybe out of a month, he's missing a day or two. Okay. So, but he still turned up HIV positive. Now, what happened was that he caught a strain of the virus that was... um, not protected by HI by by Trivada. So um that and that's important to note that you know just because you are on prep 
does not mean that's a license for you to run around and be, you know, a bareback whore. And I use whore in a positive sense because I'm not just I don't mean whore like you're going to burn in hell or anything. That just means you are sexually liberated and involved. But being on prep, as this this case shows, is not a license to do whatever it is that you want to do without um, fear of absolutely any consequence. Mm-hmm. Almost much, you know, much more likely actually than you catching this, you know, comparatively rare strain of HIV is all of the other shit that people have. Right. Mm. You know, people still have um, gonorrhea and herpes and syphilis and all kinds of other shit that you can catch that are actually much more detrimental to your daily life uh, than having HIV. So, you know, just be careful. At least in my opinion, the message from this is, you know, H, you know, prep is still something that people should get involved with because what was pissing me off were morons who were like, see, I told you it don't work. Girl, it still works. <laughs> it's right, way exactly. better than what you're doing now, which is fucking raw and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it still is something, and people, and some people. I had posted in some group and this guy was like, but the side effects, I was like, what side effects are you talking about? I'm aware of side effects and as uh, someone who works in the medical field, now you know this is where the shady part of your Bristol wanted to come out. So I wondered when he said, as someone in the medical field, I have seen patients, I was like, so what you mean is that you're either an orderly or you're on the administrative side because if you were a doctor or a nurse, you would have said as a doctor or as a nurse, which means you have no direct responsibility for patient care because anybody who has taken the time to go to medical school or go to nursing school is going to lead with that. Mm Mm-hmm. So whatever your experience is don't mean shit to me. And second of all, even if there are side effects, you're like those assholes who say, I'm not going to get my child vaccinated because one person out of a million uh, had a case of autism because of it. That we really can't prove. Right. Right. At least with this, we can prove that he got the HIV. So even if he is the one-tenth of one percent well, okay, so it's 99% effective. That means there's a 1% chance of infection. So that's a 1% chance of infection coupled with the rareness of this HIV strain. So there is a less than 1% chance that you would actually catch the disease. Because it's right. not that, it's not as if all of these people, everyone has this rare strain of the virus. So for the vast, vast majority of people you're going to have very little to no side effects and it's going to provide almost 100% protection against HIV see okay so uh, uh, people are dumb yes (laughs) you know even it's funny because People don't, people don't, a lot of people forget that condoms are only 99% effective. Right. Right. (laughs) Honey, how many of us got a friend, got a girlfriend, or know a woman who was using the pill and the condom and still got pregnant? Mm. His name is Bobby Derek Patrick Johnson, and today is his 16th birthday. 
my nephew. <laughs> and his mama was all his mama was all his, his mama was on the pill. His daddy was wrapped up, and that little joker still showed up. So it can happen. It does happen. So um, I think that. I, I really think that part of the problem is that people are trying to sh- slut shame this young man um, mm-hmm. simply because Which he I, is honestly I did in the beginning a little bit because I was like 100% of the time girl sure <laughs> you know so you know so you know and, and slut shaming of course is a horrible thing um, because that young man t- it, well, how, well how old he is is taking a, 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 taking responsibility for his sexual agency and um, the fact that there's a strain of HIV that prep doesn't cover. Um, that was no fault of his own, but you know, if he did, it sounds like he did everything he was supposed to do. Um, now right. the rest of the exactly. shit that he, you know, the rest of the shit that he can catch, that's something totally different. Cause you know, right. you still can need 25,000 CC shot in your ass. Um, or whatever it is they're shooting these days. Don't ask. Just don't ask. Um, but shut up, shut up. You've already told the story, darling. So, um, but everyone did not hear it unless they go back through the archives. So, um, well, speaking of which, we have an announcement about that at the end of the show. Oh, yes, we do. Um, so, um, but yeah, I just think that you know having being on that pill does not give you a license to just screw in screw willy-nilly and any dilly that you want to you know you still need to take some precautions because you might get hiv but you know you could get gonorrhea Mm, yes yes indeed and you might get that super gonorrhea you know and all you know there's some shit going around I'm looking at Facebook right now. There's all these strains of super shit. Gonorrhea. There's super lice. 25 yes, states right. now have strains of lice that is immune to common treatment. Motherfucking lice. Right. Right. I what just is- saw that myself. It's like, right. You, you have a child at home. So y'all Thank you. Right. Exactly. exactly. And my husband is a teacher. So, Yeah. You know, just it make me itch, make me itch. All right, yes. Oh, girl. So, you know, I feel like you know, definitely continue to get on prep and listen. I will tell you, I am on prep, and I, you know, honestly, do I use condoms a lot? No, and but I don't have. I have a lot less sex than it sounds like. I only tell you about the exciting shit. I don't tell you about the other 85 to 90% of the time when I'm not having sex. So, and it's all, you know, there's, there's, um, there, what is it called? Harm reduction or something like that. Where, yes. you know, I don't, I don't, I don't stick my dick in every hole that's offered to me. So, mm. you know. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that it's a, actually there's no reason in this day and age why you can't get on prep because Gilead has programs that cover the copay. I make way too much money to get on most copay programs. And one day, Cigna called me up and was like, "You know, they got a program that covers the forty-five dollar copay." I was like, "What?" So now my ninety-day prescription of Travada is free to me. 
I don't have to pay for anything that the uh, insurance covers part of it, and the part that insurance doesn't cover, Gilead covers directly. Well, and if you're on certain medical plans, it's provided for free. Mm. So, anyway. So, kids, that was Hot Topics, and those topics was hot as shit. Ooh, lame and hot. <laughs> so let's get to hot topics. Let's just let's just go straight to hot topics. Okay. All right, kids. Did anybody see Gods of Egypt? Uh, no. Sorry. No. I'm sorry. I know, I know <laughs> that was, that was mean. <laughs> that mean. was mean, but funny. <laughs> Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, and I'm mad too because the movie looks like it. Well, apparently it was terrible. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like that kind of big budget action flick kind of thing, but I just can't get paid. I just, if it was called Gods of Greece, I'd have, I'd have been right there. Gods mm-hmm. of Mesopotamia. And it probably would have been terrible, but I wouldn't have felt terrible about watching it. Mm, this foolishness. I just and fuckery and fuckery, my darling, and fuckery. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's a hundred, a hundred and what was a hundred and twenty million dollars to make and made twelve, maybe twelve million. Well, Thirteen million. That is what it <laughs> you did not just cackle. You did I not know, right? just cackle. Sure I know what the most fucked up part about that is. Is you know, all those hoes will continue to get work, but let one Negro make a bad movie. They're like, oh well, can't do nothing else with him. Yeah, right. And the only oh, reason so. I would have gone to see it would have been to support Chadwick Boseman, who had a small part. Well, no, I won't say a small part, but he did have a part in the film. Right. He played one. The one Negro in Egypt. Yeah. He was like the the god of knowledge or something. And th- his scene was actually pretty interesting. He had like all these multiple bodies and Oh, wait a minute, you went to see? No. Oh no. Oh no, I did not give them my oh, money. Oh, this is just all stuff you know. Yes. Yes. And they had oh, a, and they actually had a and they actually had a clip of it. A clip of his ah. of one of his scenes, yeah. But see, the thing is, had as somebody who has been to Egypt, all them pale people that was in that movie, I was like, they are. There is no way in two heavens and three hells that anybody associated with that movie has been anywhere near. They might have been to see Egypt Sharad on HGTV, but ain't none of them been nowhere near Cairo or down the Delta or, or down the Nile. Because those people right. are brown, baby. Mm. All shades of brown. All the people that is in this movie, they is about pale as that ba- that discolor on my wall. Does not mm-hmm. work. So I, I would have I would have rather have watched Fuller House on Netflix. Oh, child! I have zero interest in watching that. There you right. go. I, <laughs> See what I'm saying? <laughs> Look, child, I, I'd rather watch uh, one of these TV shows. Get what is it? What like uh, once? I'd rather watch once. One hell, I no hell no. This is some foolishness. 
Jesus, Mary and Joseph. So speaking of things that we wouldn't want to watch, though, uh, Legionnaire, let's talk about um, Satan's Sisters. Yes, on TVLine.com, there is a article talking about Vanessa Williams starring in um, Satan's Sisters on VH1. Um, the legendary Ugly Betty actress will star in VH1's upcoming Satan's Sisters, a scripted series based on the views erstwhile panelist Star Jones 2011 Romana Clef of the same name. The hour-long drama follows the five female hosts of The Lunch Hour, a long-running popular ladies' talk show in which alliances are forged, careers are made, and bridges are burned, according to the network's official release. <laughs> Deadline reports that Williams would play Lunch Hour's creator host Maxine, a formidable, powerful, and decisive woman who fears she's being put out to pasture. VH1 is eyeing a 2017 premiere for Satan's Sisters. <laughs> I can, I, you know, I love Vanessa enough that I will, I will just, I will give it a run and see what happens. Oh, so now she's, so now it's Wilhelmina Slater playing Barbara Walters. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm that, you know, I'm down for it though, because I love, I love me, I love me some Nessa. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so, so I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm in. I'm in for Nessa. I'm in for Nessa girl. Oh, Dominion. I guess. <laughs> your, your enthusiasm is overwhelming, Doc. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I'm just. I'm just not super. I mean, you know. I don't watch most TV. I don't watch most TV and nothing about this makes me want to be like, ooh, I really want to see it. I like Vanessa Williams, but I, you know, I don't see myself watching an hour-long drama about this on VH1 of all places. And uh, it just (laughs) doesn't excite me. But can we talk about how all, you know, how VH1 and MTV no longer play videos? I, I mean, VH1 does stand for Video <laughs> Hits 1. Exactly. And MTV does stand for music television. Uh, can we talk um, about that? You know, it's like, I want, do they even still make videos? Oh, it's hilarious. I couldn't even tell you the last time I actually saw a video on either of those stations. Right. Unless you go to like VH1 Soul. And then yes. those videos easy as hell. Um, Ooh, some of those videos on, v, uh, on VH1 Soul are terrible. Mm. I'm sorry, what are they again? Terrible. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm just like, wow, the production values on this video, I don't even have words for it. Well, I do have a word for it. A dollar forty two and a grape soda was the budget. <laughs> right. So I don't I mean good, you know, best of luck. You know, I, I love I live for the fact that Vanessa Williams has spent the rest of her career telling all these bitches to eat it. Thank <laughs> yes. you. So I mean I live for that. Right. 
And and honestly, so, I was when, when she when she lost her crown, and you know, I was one of the people who said Vanessa DeAndressa will never work in Hollywood again. I am so grateful that I was wrong. Right. Because that girl has come back with a vengeance. Oh, Lord have mercy. I, I just love that she managed yeah, it's, to, it's, 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 Sorry, go ahead and lead you there. No, I was just going to say, I'm just happy that she, you know, she manages to keep working. And I think that's yeah. great. I love it. And if she it's ain't on also, TV, she on you know, Broadway? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. It's also, to me, it's like, okay... It's so, what does it say about our society that, you know, the shit that was such a scandal in 1982, now people be like, oh, okay. You realize one of the (laughs) most popular women in the world got caught getting pissed on, right? So. Right. But wait, wait, wait. You were just just shown in a magazine with your face next to a pussy. (laughs) <laughs> right. It's not look, it, it's not like you're gonna be the first lady and we we looking at your snatch. Right. I mean, right. think about it. Melania Trump, we've seen mm. all of her. We have all of her can be Oh honey, yeah, there's some snatch pictures of her out there. Oh, I'm not I mean, I'm not at all interested in seeing it, but I didn't know oh, that, I'm not. that was out there. Oh yeah, she is showing all of her hope and glory. Um, but uh, so it's like, come on, really? You know, um, that's why I love the me- the meme going around about with um, Hillary and um, and Michelle Obama talking about she talking about she want to be first lady. She ain't even his first lady. Oh yes, but yes. Oh yeah, I'm I am looking at her. I, I am looking at at least her boobs. I'm looking at her boobs right now. Mm. So nice tit. Oh, is this her with her <laughs> mouth on a? Oh, no, uh, child. I'm, I is think this is her with a tongue ring. Well, I'm looking at this cum hanging off her chin. That's a hell of a Photoshop job. If it ain't, mm. if it ain't real, I'm serious. That's a hell of a Photoshop job, and I and I know. I generally know Photoshop when I see it, but for real, for real now, mm. this is some shit. Mm. If this is if this is really her, you know, if this was Michelle Obama, let's just say that we wouldn't even be having this conversation because we wouldn't know who she was. Right. But child, 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 Lord, have, what is the world? You know, I swear the well, darling, the world. Speaking comes? of some shit, uh, John Sebastian. <laughs> Get us into the Oscars. <laughs> Y'all did assign me this story. Okay, so I am normally I normally ride or die with Sean King. I'm gonna start off by saying that I, I love Sean King. Um, I mm-hmm. think he is a. I think the brother is absolutely brilliant. Like all of us, we've all done some shady shit in our past, but we all deserve a second chance. And he does excellent work. Okay, mm-hmm. he did so, some shady shit in the past. Yeah, there's some of his. Fi- there have been questions about some of his financial management practices when he was at Morehouse and in some of the organizations that he was involved in. Um, oh, I mean, allegedly. Well, that's, 
allegedly, but that's on the preacher circuit. That's how I learned about it. Um, But Sean wrote a special article for the New York Daily News immediately after the uh, actually immediately after the Oscars were over. Uh, saying that the Chris Rock's Chris Rock Oscars opener dropped the ball and lynching jokes went over the line no matter how tough a spot it was. Um, and for those of you, unless you have been in outer space uh, for the past three months, um, there was a big boycott of the Oscars this year, um, and it was kicked off, it was kicked off by Jada Pinkett Smith after Will was basically snubbed for his role in whatever the name of that horrible movie was where he was playing Concussion. Concussion. Right. I I was gonna say dementia actually. Um with that horrible (laughs) accent and and you know, and there were no actors of color nominated in any of the acting categories. So the hashtag Oscar So White started going and people were gonna boycott and blah blah blah. But Chris Rock was named as host and he refused to quit. And so Chris Rock being the um, topical comic that he is, and and let me say that in our lifetime, he is probably one of the best at it, uh, along with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was amazingly good at social commentary and, and, and comedy. And so, and I think Chris Rock has picked up that 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 ball. Um, and so he told some jokes during the Oscars that made people very, very uncomfortable, um, but they still laughed. But in the midst of it, he, um, you know, before he walked out, his music was Fight the Power by Public Enemy. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was one of those things that he said, you know, where it was, it, it came out as if he was going to tackle racism. Um, and, you know, he, he made some jokes and one of the jokes was about a grandmother being lynched. And it was, oh my God, you can't joke about that. And uh, it's not funny, but it's Chris Rock. And he, you know, and also understand that if he told that joke, that somebody reviewed it because he didn't just get up and say what he wanted to say. Right. <sighs> All right. So that being said, what the? So that being said, um, Sam Smith, who I have a, um, I only want to say love hate. He his voice aggravates me because it's so milk toasty. Um, <laughs> he won the Oscar for that, and I love James Bond for that absolutely forgettable James Bond theme, um, the writings on the wall. Um, so on Monday, Sam Smith responded to Dustin Lance Black's tweet calling him out um, for claiming that he was the first openly gay man to win an Oscar. Wrong. Um, so I read an article by Sir Ian McKellen. And he said no openly gay man had won an Oscar, Smith noted during his Oscars acceptance speech. And if this is the case, even if it isn't the case, I want to dedicate this to the LGBT community around the world. That's when the Milk screenwriter slammed Smith on Twitter saying, quote, Hey, Ed Sam Smith World, if you have no idea who I am, it may be time to stop texting my fiancé. Ew. And so um, <laughs> Smith responded, So hungover, genuinely feels like a dream. Secondly, open, 
secondly openly gay second openly gay man to win an Oscar or third or fourth one hundred. It wasn't my point. My point was to shine some light on the LGBT community who I love so dearly. Uh, apologies to the mix-up at D Lance Black. I'll be sure to check out your films now. Um, related congrats on the Oscar. Um, sadly, Smith did not offer up any more details about his tech sessions with Dustin Lance Black's fiance, Olympic diver Tom Daly. Now, a confession. I did not watch the Oscars because A, there was nobody I wanted to see on there, especially the horrible Mrs. Dash, who is as bland as the seasoning she's named after. Um, I'm going to keep that one. Um, but um, I will say that... <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, uh, the arterial flow is working this evening. I feel like Bernie. Um <laughs> Black man, black man. So, okay, so seriously, um, so I, I think, like I said, for me, because there were no, I mean, hell, if we're going to talk about the Oscars, let's talk about how the movie Creed, the, the person nominated from the movie Creed was not the star of the movie. It was Sylvester Stallone, who thankfully lost because he can't act his way out of a paper bag. But, um, well, we are at the point where, I mean, we've talked about Zoe Saldana uh, being black-faced up as Nina Simone. We've talked about the flop that is the gods of Egypt. You know, uh, we can do more than bi biographical movies like Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. You know, we can do more than movies like, um, uh, Wayans movies. Um, any of Keaton and Ivory Wayans is, uh, forgettable movies. I mean, you know, we can even do movies directed by black people where I'm really tired of black folks winning Oscars for roles that are not noble. Monique won for um, Precious. Not that she's ever done anything that was worth a nomination before, because let's be honest, Monique is not exactly that, I mean, the best actress. She was in Soul Plane. I will never, excuse me for a Jabari, Rhodes, Williams, you are in heaven and you. this is the anniversary of your death. we coming up on it. I will never forgive you for that 90 minutes. He took me He took me to see that movie. I will never forget him as long as I live. God rest his soul. Bless his heart. Oh, that was the worst. That was worse than The Last Dragon and The Last Dragon was horrible. <laughs> but, so, you know, so Monique won for Precious. Denzel won after taking a beating in um, Glory. Is it Glory? Yeah, Glory. And then he won for being a corrupt cop in Training Day. Um, Halle Berry won for being a whore in Monsters Ball. Uh, you know, can't... Oh my God. You know, when Denzel was nominated for Malcolm X, he lost. How is that possible? You know, that was an album. Uh, he acted his natural ass off. And he got ass, let me tell you. But um, I'm really tired of actors of color not winning Oscar. You know, um, somebody else won. A, a Whoopi won for, for being a, 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 a fraud, a fraudulent psychic. Can we, you know, can, can people of color win an Oscar for a noble role? And I guess that for me, that's where my whole 
my whole uh, cognitive dissonance comes in about watching the Oscars. I can't do it anymore. Yes, John Legend and that onion on his back. Jesus. And common one for glory. <laughs> yes. You got to admit that boy got that boy got an onion on his back. It brings tears to my eyes every time I look at it. Jesus. Um, but you're telling me that no, you know nobody else could win from the movie the you know we are celebrated as musicians you know as long as we are singing and dancing and 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 shucking and jiving it's good but you know when it comes to a serious role we're not taken seriously so i guess that's where my cognitive dissonance comes in and what do you all think about that well Legionnaire? um i did watch the oscars at least most of it um and i thought I thought that Chris Rock won. I'm glad he didn't quit because I don't think he should have. Um, you know, he he did, you know, take advantage of the opportunity to address a lot of the stuff that had been gone on and been talked about. And I didn't I thought the jokes, some of the jokes went over fine. Some of them went too far. I agree with that. But I think I think putting that on Chris Rock is just misplaced because like you said Chris Rock didn't write that stuff someone else wrote it he performed it some of it went over like a like a fart in church some of it was very very funny but you know I think he did do what he could to make sure that that the issue was was addressed and brought up I mean he used the jokes that were able to make you know that were able to poke fun of the Oscars and, and the so white thing. And there were skits and things that were put together that also did the same thing that showed that, that, that shone a light on the situation. But at the end of the day, the Oscars is still going to happen. So I had issues with that whole boycott thing because I thought the whole boycott idea was bullshit. I thought it was stupid. I was like, you all boycotting is not going to keep the Oscars from happening. It's not going to keep, these people from being honored so if you really want to address it address it at the table don't pick up your stuff and walk away and be mad be there be in their face don't go away say hey 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 i'm here hey you can't do that by walking away and hiding you can't do it that way so i didn't have a problem with him you know poking fun at jada pinkett smith for her for her boycott i thought that joke was funny as hell girl you know it jada was. smith boycott jada smith boycott the emmys boycotting the grand um the academy awards was like me boycotting rihanna's panties i wasn't invited and there it is <laughs> <laughs> so you know i you know i i just you know i know what he's saying about some of the jokes that went too far, but that's what comics do. They push the envelope. Thank you. They push the envelope, and they will push the, the the boundaries of good taste. It's what they do. You know, if those jokes didn't go over, I bet you he won't tell any more of them. So right. let's just so let's just keep it moving. And the same thing with Sam Smith. Sam Smith is twenty three years old, and he said that. According to something that he that he read by Sir Ian McKellen, he thought that he was the first openly gay person to win an Oscar. And he even said, if this isn't the case, I still want to dedicate this to the LGBT community. 
That's what he said. He didn't come up there and say, oh, well, I'm the first one and here I am and it's all about me. That's not what he did. So let's back off the man and let him have his moment. So I, you know, I, I just, and you know, and, and honey, if, if a Dustin Lance Black, honey, if he's tweeting your fiance, then why, why yeah, don't you investigate why he has your fiance's phone number? There's a whole nother issue you need to be dealing. There's with. a whole nother layer of the this story that you need to be that this. you need to be looking into rather than trying to you know call him out on a tweet. Right, honey. All you he, all you needed to do was put out a gentle reminder. No, no, darling. I, I was the first, or, or or there was me, or whatever it was, and then keep it moving. Or or <laughs> he didn't say anything. Exactly. He clearly exactly. didn't have to say anything because because he wasn't claiming that he was the first. He said that he thought he might have been the first and even tried to clarify that even if it's not. I want to dedicate this to the LGBT. And that's the real message. That was the real point of his speech. So why don't we focus on right. that? And not the and not the small minutiae of of how he may or may not have misspoke. Because the girls, you know, live to be shady and whatever. I have a solution to the problem. What that Uh-oh. is? The first step is stop making shitty movies. Well, well, there's so, that. Um, what the fuck was we going to nominate? So, <laughs> it's you know, every time a black person doesn't get something, everyone is like racism. You know, sometimes it's just not good shit out there. Now, yes, there's plenty of other stuff that's not good out there that does, but I'm saying, you know, what the fuck are we going to nominate? Were we going to nominate White Chicks too? <laughs> I mean, I'm you saying, what, I mean, come on. You're what right. other I mean, films were out there that could get nominated? Now, that does get to another question. Um, right. uh, um, there is, you know, the the, the Oscars isn't the problem. The no, problem I is so the Hollywood the studios. Is the Hollywood system exactly? You know, you Hollywood. Know. You know, Hollywood. Exactly. Only lets exactly. one black person in per decade. Decade. Come on now. But that on, said, make. Um, you know, I, I, I don't detest Tyler Perry. I actually admire his hustle. Um, you know, you know, stop looking for validation from people that don't give a shit about you. Tyler Perry doesn't give a shit that, you know, those hoes in Hollywood don't like him. Tyler Perry is resting on his hundreds of millions of dollars. At his house, next at his mansion Man's and his home. private island in Atlanta, next to his, the studio that bears his name. So mm-hmm. I know Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith have more than enough money that if they wanted to make movies, they could finance these movies themselves. Thank you. If, they have, and they and they have a production company. They have, and, and you know, mm-hmm. make good movies and be happy with that. Market them to the audience, and then um, 
argue from a position of strength. Exactly. But but the problem comes in with distribution. You can make the best movies in the world, but if a studio or, or if a studio doesn't pick it up to distribute it, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, know, I mean, not I guess. Yes, that's true. You know, that's I mean, and so it's not just you know making good movies. I mean, hell, making good movies is the Avis Avis DuVernay makes excellent movies, and we barely get to see them. That's you know, true. so. When they go to Sundance, you know, part of it is I think that the black intelligentsia needs to start fighting more for this to happen. Right. You know, we we need to we need to demand those films. We we need to start proving the you know, we need to start disproving the lie that movies that are well made with black leads don't sell. You know, because that's what they always say. And 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 time and time again we've proven that they do, but we, if we spent the money in the theaters as opposed to spending it on bootlegs, don't get me started. You know yes. that that's part of the problem. You know when yeah. I can go in the barbershop and Hustle Man got every movie. You know, especially the black movies that have just been released the day before. He already has them on DVD. There's a problem, <laughs> and you know I ain't lying. Not even a little. I, I, not, not even a little bit. I suppose. I mean, I don't go to barbershops, but I'm told that that's what happens. <laughs> well, as someone who goes to barbershops, it is. You know. So last up in hot topics, child, did y'all, I mean, not hot topics, but hot tea. Did y'all see y'all sister Katrina? She no. tried to get. She tried to get all excited and talk uh, talk shit about Kevin Hart, saying that he got that. Uh, he, meaning, you know, Cat Williams, got big without sucking a man's dick or letting a man stick it in his asshole on uh, in one of his shows. And I'm just like, girl, what are you talking about? Right. I only end up arrested uh, two days later. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, so, okay. You know, they always going to come. He, Cat Williams himself, you know, he said, what's a hater's job is to hate. Hate. Yep. So well, he, we know he's getting a check. With, uh, Kevin Hart, who I don't particularly care for either, but you know, normally I should be incredibly attracted to to him because he's a loud mouth with with issues, who's short, with a big <laughs> booty. But something he don't do nothing to me. Probably it's because he's not light skinned You know, if he was light skinned I'd be all over him. John Legend. Ooh, glory. <laughs> Yes. Uh, uh, and let the church say amen. And amen. 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 Honey, you can you can carry a tray on that ass. Honey. <clears throat> baby. Darling love. Honey. Mercy. Ooh, let's wrap this up, child, because I'm hungry. <laughs> so next up, listeners, we have a treat. For those of you who are uh, frequent listeners of Poppy Chulo Radio, you'll remember our good friend and sometime guest co-host of reality, Marshall Evans. Say hello, Marshall. Hey, everyone. I'm glad to be back. So, Marshall is... I know, right? Marshall is here (laughs) because... 
he is about to be famous, and we're not talking about gay famous because you know gay famous just gets you a free cocktail at the bar. He's about to be actual famous because he has a play called The Last Hour, and ladies and gentlemen, I got the privilege of sitting in on a reading briefly, and it was it was amazing. It really was amazing. So, oh, Marshall, I want to talk to you a little bit about. Uh, about about the play and a little bit behind it and then we have an even bigger treat because we have members of the cast say hello cast hey guys <laughs> don't they all sound sexy <laughs> yeah sexified <laughs> so marshall why don't you tell us a little bit about the uh about the play well uh the play is a futuristic tale it's based in 2032 it is a social-political play, um, and it's really just addressing a lot of different topics. Um, many people remember me doing Push Forward and how we talked all the time on Coffee Julo about different things were happening. And this play is just kind of my voice putting them in a story, uh, you know, format. So, you know, the play addresses everything from uh, religion uh, to homosexuality, how people feel about that. Um, to their beliefs, political beliefs, and so on and so forth. And so it has eight male characters of different races, backgrounds, religions, socio-political belief systems, and they're set up in a situation where they're all trying to survive and live because the America that they live in in 2032 has gone drastically off the edge. And so, you know, we have everything from... Uh, murders of black and Latino and Muslims that are now legal to be had in the street to Asians being the new slaves to gay people going to concentration camps. And so these people are literally just trying to survive. And the play is pretty, I guess the guys would say intense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the, the show is very intense. Um, we tell people, you know, don't come with any of your you know, <laughs> your, 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 your stuff, because it's probably going to get laid bare. And if you don't like seeing your stuff, your, your shit, so to speak, laid bare, it's probably not a show. Mm, I like so, that. So, um, so what, what kind of, what, what was the motivation behind the show? Well, to be honest, it started from a student, um, who actually is playing one of the characters in the show. Um, I had a student um, that I was looking for work for and some material for that was a little bit more relevant to today. And so I sat down and started writing and I started talking to him about it and then that turned into more monologues that ended up turning into a one act that eventually turned into a two act full play. Um, I've been writing for a long time but um, and acting and performing for a long time. Many of you people know that I did Broadway for many years. Um, and, um, and I'm still actually acting and still working, but uh, this, is, this is a big deal for me because I wanted to make sure that I was creating theater where actors were really getting an opportunity to really show what they can do. A lot of the theater, particularly on Broadway today, is pretty much fluffed, um, and most of the good stuff is actually off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway, and fortunate for us, we are going to be a production off-Broadway. So okay. explain, you know, 
I've always been interested a little bit to understand what's the difference between off Broadway and off off Broadway and off 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 Broadway. <laughs> well, <laughs> to me. There, there are two things that can relegate off where you are. It's really by theater size and seat, and it also is also by where your theater is situated. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, I think. I think the producer, Alicia, can explain it even better than I can. So, Alicia, can you explain it to them really the difference? Uh, hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main difference between, as Marshall said, off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway is the location and the size of the house. So, if a theater can fit 99 people, there it's then off-Broadway. If it can fit less than that, it's off-off-Broadway which is why there's some theaters that are on 50th and 8th off of Broadway that are still considered Broadway, but since theaters right on Broadway are off-off-Broadway. Wow, I really oh. did not know that. But before we run out of time, I really want, want the cast to at least get an opportunity to... Um, to uh, introduce themselves and tell us what character you're playing, and then before we wrap up, I want to talk about when when the uh, when the play will be running and where people can see it and when we can get tickets. Okay, great. So I'll let it start out with uh, the two guys that are kind of sharing the lead role. So here we go. Um, how y'all doing? I'm Kayvon Madison, playing Daryl. Hello, my Hi. name is Kyle Barry. I'm the understudy for Be- for Daryl. <laughs> Hi, I'm Antino Crowley. Come and watch the only understudy for Michael Baker. Hi, my name is Troy Robert. I'm playing the part of Douglas. Hi, my name is Pierce Lowe, and I'm playing the part of Don. Hey, what's going on? My name is Michael Pichardo, and I'm the understudy for Pedro. So those are some of the cast uh, members that are involved. Each one of them are playing a very dynamic character um, within the play. I can definitely tell you that. There's a lot of clashing and fighting and slapping and, you know, sexual tension going on throughout the entire play. So uh, I think people... Yes, there is. That That was the part that I sat in on, and it was... uh... Interesting. <laughs> was it interesting? <laughs> you know it was interesting. Uh, so I, we had a conversation about it afterwards. Yeah, we had a really good coach. You guys were giving me ideas of what type of underwear one of the characters should be wearing. Yes. Yes, uh, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, I remember that conversation. Um, but the show is taking place, um, it's located in the heart of Times Square, we are at 145 West 46th Street on the third floor. Between mm-hmm. between 6th and 7th Avenue. Between 6th and 7th Avenue. Um, the tickets right now, you can get them on Eventbrite. Um, they are $15 in advance, $18 at the door. Very reasonably priced for an off-Broadway production. Um, also, you know, you're getting a full show and a very intense show. Um, and so the show is continuing to build, and we hope to see people come out and support. If you're looking to get more information, you can go to our Facebook page, which is 
Facebook.com backslash the last hour the play. Um, how long is the play running? Um, we actually open March 11th and we run through mm -hmm. March 17th. Um, we actually have two shows on that Saturday. We have a mat day at 2 o'clock p.m. And the show times through all of those, you know, the nighttime show times are at 7 o'clock p.m. Okay. Okay. Well, so I will definitely uh, be there. Yeah, I know. You're, you were excited. So I'm hoping that the Papi Chulo uh, family and listeners will come out and support um, our production. I think that a lot of people will be really shocked. Um, and I think also a lot of people will walk away um, either talking about this play or even changed. We've had a lot of wonderful reviews. So we're looking forward to seeing what the full audience has to say. Cool. So in, we have about 30 seconds left. Uh, tell us what's next for, uh, for Marshall Evans in particular. Well, I have a stage. Well, first thing is coming up. I'm actually in a production of Big River. I'm playing uh, one of the lead roles, Jim, for Interact Theater. Um, and in terms of writing and directing, I have a new show, stage reading of a show called Dante. Um, mm -hmm. And that will be taking place um, either late May, early June. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. So again, listeners, uh, for more information, go to facebook.com forward slash the last hour. And I'm assuming you can also uh, search for the last hour on Eventbrite. Yes. Yes, you can. So, you know, one of the things we talk about on the show is, you know, we want to support um, other African-American and Latino and particularly men of color Um artists and you know he is the perfect opportunity with a play that's you know important in this political climate because you know from what Marshall just told us you know we might be headed down that road we want to thank uh, take a moment to thank Marshall and the cast and his producers for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule because now we're um, what about eight days out from the show uh, to come and uh, spend some time with us and uh, we look forward to seeing you all on stage in a couple of days yeah <laughs> thank you guys so much we'll talk to you soon take right. care Marshall bye 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 well, we want to thank uh, our special guest, Marshall Evans, for coming out and spending a few minutes to talk about his new play, The Last Hour. It's going to be premiering off-Broadway on March the 11th in New York City. So get your ass over to facebook.com forward slash The Last Hour to find out more about the play and also how to get tickets. Not only is Marshall the director and author what is what do you call it author of the play the playwright um but it also stars uh, a friend to to the poppy chulo radio station the uh the man formerly known as crave so crave is officially retired from from uh the adult entertainment industry but you know the man d'angelo is a lovely one of the sweetest people you'd ever want to meet and he is one of the stars of this play so check it out 
Um, you can catch reality every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific with replays on Saturdays and Sundays at 12 p.m. Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific. You can visit the Poppy Chulo Radio archives to download this episode and many more. You can binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chulo Radio program by visiting poppychuloradio.com slash archives. And guess what, bitches? We fancy now. Yes. You can also download this episode through iTunes. Just search for reality and subscribe. So, girl, we in the big leagues now. Oh, Lord. What is this going to do? You know what that means? (laughs) We need to get into some Melissa Harris Perry style negotiations with Poppy Chulo because I need a check, bitch. I need a check. (laughs) Right. Because I got bug lights that need to go up. <laughs> oh, right, mm. honey. I need to go to the Target. My rider. I listen. I require two rooms: one for my one clothes for my and one for and me, one because I do not sleep with in my, or, in or in my clothes. My clothes. <laughs> <laughs> and if you cannot accommodate me, I'm sure there's a hotel that can. Oh, y'all are so <laughs> good. So, Legionnaire, tell the kids how they can get in contact with you. Well, the kids can find me on the uh, Twitter and Instagram. I am at Legion Onyx. Uh, on Facebook, my uh, moniker is Legionnaire Onyx. And um, if you are regular listeners to the Poppy Chulo Radio System Network, I am on a variety of shows, uh, not the least of which is Gladiators Unite, um, the um, uh, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Rambling Dead, as well as uh, the Lion's Den. So um, you can catch my dulcet tones all up and across Poppy Chulo Radio. Awesome. Uh, John Sebastian, tell us about uh, how the kids can get in contact with you. Unofficial colon John Sebastian on Facebook and on Twitter GSJ612. Cool. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Dom Onyx. My Facebook profile is facebook.com forward slash dominion dot onyx. And finally, 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 <laughs> finally, it's happened to me. Right in front right of my in front face. of your face, and you just cannot hide it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, you some Domonics.com is about to go live. I finally finished uploading. I literally, I have written over the past two years upwards of a hundred and seventy-five thousand words. That's Good a God. lot of shit that needs to be transferred from one platform to another. That's finally done. And the first article, which is about, you know, idiots that say they're not going to vote if Bernie Sanders doesn't win, is going to be up this Mm. week. So, and that might actually be the title of it. I don't know. (laughs) So, you can like reality on Facebook by going to facebook.com forward slash PCR reality. And you can follow us on Twitter at PCR reality. You can support reality also by going to GoFundMe.com slash Poppy Chulo Radio. Yes. Please feel free to email us at reality at PoppyChuloRadio.com with any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns. 
And if you are interested in joining the Papi Chulo Radio family as an on-air personality or blog contributor, you can email us also at talent at papichuloradio.com. Look at us. We got rate, we got email addresses and shit. We're looking for new personalities. We on iTunes. We on Facebook. We on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We all over the world. Mm. Quick so everyone say goodnight. Good, good night. night. Good night, sweet lovers. Good night, everyone, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Reality. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week. <laughs>